Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC sports. Let's go. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by Traeger Grills. Guys, I have no idea why every time I say happy Wednesday, maybe it's because I'm smiling or laughing, whatever. <laughs> Eric McLean just starts laughing and it makes me laugh. So <laughs> that's where we are right now as we begin this podcast. It's weird, Mac, because it's always Wednesday now. Yeah, it is. It is always Wednesday. And the reason I do it is because I just think of every show. That's how you've been introducing us. Yeah. And I would love to put together kind of like a montage of you just saying, happy Wednesday, happy Wednesday, happy, and see how you like fluctuate and kind of see if we could tell hmm, that really wasn't a happy Wednesday that she was having on this particular day. And I don't think that's the case. I think you bring it every single time, but it would be interesting if we did a little study into it. Like mm, this date, Kelly, she had a bad day. Mac, that is so funny because we have released episodes every day of the week because football, we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, basketball, we do Tuesday, Thursday. I would guess that during basketball, it it may not be as peppy because I'm exhausted. <laughs> a little tired, a little exhausted. That's just a guess. But right now I am, I have all the energy in the world. That's you're feeling good. Right you're excited. Father's Day weekend coming up. Or you're, you're not sneaking over to, to Texas or to Raleigh. Are you staying home? We are not. We have a wedding weekend. Another, not there ours. Another wedding. Um, but <laughs> thank you. For, ours for is coming up. That's right. <laughs> so I'll see my dad very soon. So I'm very, very excited about that. There you go. I'm assuming you're seeing the whole fam. I'm seeing the whole fam, and actually, I'm super excited about it because. Um, so we, for those who don't know, this is kind of breaking news on the podcast. We are moving back to South Carolina, so we're super excited Woo-hoo! about that. Uh, we'll be at Clemson, you know, fans close your ears for a little bit. We will be in enemy territory in the Columbia area for just a little bit, not too long. Kaki got a new job. We're super excited for her. So we're going over there. But the good thing about that is it's right next to family. So my family's like 30 minutes away. Her family obviously lives um, in Columbia. So we're actually rallying up in Sumter for a massive cookout for Father's Day. I'm so jacked up and can't wait for both families to be there hanging out and enjoying some great food on the Traeger Grill. I was going to say, what's on the menu, Eric McLean? Well, I'm actually branching out just a little bit for... So Khaki's mom is 100% vegan, hardcore vegan, um, does not eat any meat. No, it's a good thing. She she really has done well, and it's helped her and, and does all these things. And so what I'm doing is for her, and Khaki I think is going to want one, and then my mom might... She might have both. She might just have one is cauliflower steaks. Whoa. And so basically what you do is you you take the head of cauliflower, you cut it into like two inch thick steaks, you lather it up with olive oil, with whatever you want to do on there and some seasoning, all these different things to make it delicious. Put it on the grill just like a steak, four minutes each side, boom, you're done. And so I'm going to do that for the ladies. The men, we're going to do some hardcore ribeyes, uh, probably reverse serum. So, you know, they're going you know, healthy, healthy, we're going like stopping our hearts in two, two minutes. So it's going to be very vast and different, but it's going to be fun. And I can't wait. It's going to be, it's going to be a big time. Mac, look at how versatile the Traeger is. The fact that you can go up there and grill (laughs) some cauliflower and make it taste good. That's what I'm saying. Traeger can do it all. And Kelly, I'm just going to go straight into this ad since we keep talking about it on and on. And listen, the biggest thing about Traeger is that from June 11th, which has already happened, to June 20th, which is coming up quickly, guys, you can go on TraegerGrills.com and get a free Ultimate Grill Bundle, which is loaded up with like $150 worth of pellets, rubs, accessories, and more. Or you can opt out of that and get $100 off when you get select Traeger Grills. There's not a better deal. Get that for your dad. He will love it. Also get one for yourself because you will love it. I promise you guys, Traeger is the real deal and has all the great tools to make any barbecue that much better. It's so much fun. You know, there are people that use the Father's Day sales to buy things for themselves. And you know exactly. what I say? I respect it. That, that's <laughs> no one doubt. way to do it. That's one way to respect do it Respect right the grind. Respect the grind. <laughs> all right. Let's introduce our Traeger Grills guest of the week. One of our favorites, Roy Philpot. 
Roy Philpot is one of ESPN's most versatile play-by-play voices. He calls college football, men's and women's basketball, and baseball games all year long for the worldwide leader and has been with the network since 2013. Prior to ESPN, Philpot served as a lead publisher for Fox Sports, which included the launch and development of two of the largest team-specific websites in the Scout.com family of networks. Roy has also hosted the Roy Philpot Show on 105.5 The Roar in the upstate of South Carolina for many years before going full-time with ESPN. It's really cool to kind of hear that story of, of how much he loved that show, the passion of the fans, and then how that full-time job came about. You're not going to want to miss that, guys, and stay tuned in the rest of the episode. But he also still gets his radio fix by filling in in a variety of Sirius XM sports channels. Roy is a proud Clemson graduate and a barbecue connoisseur. We talk about that just a little bit. But it's time now to chat with our great friend, Roy Philpot. Here we go. This week's guest is brought to you by Traeger Grills. Welcome to the Traegerhood. Roy Philpot, our dear friend, Roy Philpot. We are so excited to have you on. What's going on? Great to see you guys. Uh, I appreciate you having me on, Mac and, and Kelly. And uh, you, you guys do a great job with a podcast. So, uh, look, I, I'm excited. I'm curious to see what we talk about. Come on. Well, I, I'm going to just scrap the rundown from question one here, Kelly, and, and jump in here because you guys can't see him, but Roy is wearing a brisket shirt and nice block letters across his chest and father's day is coming up. So I've got to ask you, I mean, are you cooking up something crazy for the family? I don't know if you have a Traeger or not. You should get one. I might need to talk to your wife and kids and say, Hey, this is the father's day present my man needs. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not doing any crazy cookout. I'm actually, I'm taking my uh, daughters. We're going hiking out of Utah this weekend, which we're oh, really wow. excited about. Yeah. So that's, that's really, that's a cool thing. But in terms of, of food and brisket, I, it's like a craft that I need to perfect. Like I want to learn how to be able to smoke properly, do it, do it all upright. Because right now I'm just ordering stuff. I'm going to, <laughs> to smoke and pig. At Kelly knows out in Texas, just south of Austin, go down to the Salt Lake and Driftwood, and it's. I mean, it's it's tremendous. So I mean, I'm, I'm a connoisseur, but in terms of you know cooking and grilling brisket and, and, and smoked meats, I've got a long. I got a lot to learn. Mac and I, I got a long ways to go, but look, I, you know, I'm here. I want to learn about it. I want to understand it. I want to be, be better at it. And, uh, you know, one day I will be, that's the goal. Well, Hey, let me tell you something. you said, you're going to Utah. That is where Traeger is headquartered. So you need okay. to make a pit stop, go by, see those guys and then come back home. So this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I need to do that. that Mac good. is the ultimate salesman. Mac, I feel like this could be a masterclass. Like you could sell this masterclass, five classes, how to smoke meat with Eric McLean. That's that. I mean, you're welcome. That's a great it idea. It sounds right there. like we have our first student right here in Roy Philpott. So I'm let's, here. Uh, let's get it going. Class, I will pay whatever <laughs> I need to pay to partake <laughs> and enjoy. Yes. All right, Kelly, back to a regular scheduled program. I'll I'm just be there and I'll, I'll live tweet the situation <laughs> with Mac and Roy learning how to smoke meat. Uh, that'd be hilarious. Well, Roy, I don't know if the listeners can tell, but we go way back. You and me, as well as you and Mac, we've known each other for a long time. We all got our start in some way, shape, or form at the Roar in Clemson, which I'm still out at. Shout out the Roar. But it's interesting because your journey, and we love talking, especially in the offseason with some of our our sports media friends and their journeys because they're all so different. You are a proud Clemson grad. You were an engineering major, if I'm not mistaken. So you could have been like my husband on the other side of this wall, making conference calls and building power plants, (laughs) but you're not. So how did the radio TV bug bite you? I didn't know what the hell I was doing in college. And I didn't know what I was doing when I graduated college. I I graduated from Clemson with a BS in computer engineering and a minor in mathematical sciences. It took me six years to graduate. And honestly, I'm still not sure how I got out with a degree, (laughs) but I did. And uh, I I really, I kind of turned on the academics in my last maybe two semesters, four semesters, I guess. Uh, but it, but it took me a while. And when I graduated, you know, I got a good job with IBM and was making decent money, but I was just miserable. And, and I don't know how people succeed and do things in, in terms of a career without doing something that they're really passionate about or that they enjoy or that, you know, at least that they're, they're interested in. I thought I was interested in computers and I was not. I thought I was interested in corporate America and climbing the ladder and getting an MBA. And when I actually got there, I, I was not. So 
I, I tried to find something I was passionate about. I knew I loved Clemson and, and it kind of started just as a website as a writer and, and trying to cover the program uh, and, and just, just figuring out how to be a part of the media because I knew it was something that, that I was interested in and I loved doing. So it just, it started there as a writer and, and I, I made the transition before I had kids and, and really settled down on any level. Um, you know, so I, I didn't have a lot of responsibility, so I didn't make any money hardly at all at first, like most of us do. And it, it was just kind of, you know, on, on, a, on a whim and, and, and a dream that, you know, I could try to make something happen. So it started out as a writer. I, you know, started doing some radio on the side and did that for a couple of years. And, and before I started doing television and the second I started calling games, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm built to do. And so it, it took me a while to figure that out. And, and I'm not like most people. I didn't go to Syracuse. I didn't go to Northwestern. I didn't have a communications major. It was nothing like that. And I, I wish I would have done those things. But I'm honestly happy that I didn't, too, because it, it's led me down this weird career path that I think some people take inspiration in because there's a lot of us out there that just we graduate. We're supposed to go down this road. And, and no, we're not. And no, we're not. So I tell people all the time, you know, it's OK that you don't know what you want to do when you're in college, or when you graduate college. You know, mo most of us don't. And there's time to figure it out along the way. I love that, Roy. And, and looking at, again, going back to those radio years, you hosted the Roy Philpot show uh, on the Roar 105.5. What stood out, I guess, the most of doing that? What did you enjoy the most? And then follow up to that. Tell people how different radio and TV is. Mark Packer kind of alluded to that uh, in our last week's episode. So I'd love to hear kind of your take on that as well. I tell people all the time, especially, you know, aspiring broadcasters, if you can host a sports talk show, for, you know, multi hours every single day, you know, every single weekday and, and do it for a long period of time and not just have people bored to tears listening to it. If you can do that and you can perfect that craft at any level then you can do just about anything in media because it, it's tough to carry a multi hour show for an extended period of time and not and not just not just bore people to tears. And, and so I, I learned so much from that, just being able to host a show. And I guess we did it for, for five or six years at the Roar. I had co-hosted some things, you know, before that, but to do that and to have that experience was such a building block to to play by play and to just doing other things. Being a writer as well, I think, you know, plays a large role in those kinds of things. So, yeah, with Mac, you know, hosting that show, it, it was great. Uh, I still enjoy coming back and, and doing a lot of work for SiriusXM, hosting shows still to this day. And um, it, it's something that I enjoy, but it was such a learning experience. You learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about what makes viewers you know, uh, interested in, in you or your show. And, you know, you just learn a lot about what makes people tick. So um, that, that was, that was very valuable. And it is, it's a lot different from television because you guys know, because you, you've operated in both realms too. You know, when you're on radio, you're, you're filling that, that downtime and you're, you're always painting a picture and you're always telling a story. And with TV, it's the total opposite because the picture is telling the story. So you can overcook the ham on radio, and it's great. You do it on television. You better do it in control burst because otherwise you're, you're talking too much and you're, you're, you're kind of taken away from the overall visual experience uh, for the viewer. So, yeah, they're, they're drastically different. That's never been a problem for me just making that transition because I, I get it. I know what I want to hear. I know what I want to see. And so I, I do take a lot of pride in and, you know, for, for big moments and big games where I, I just shut up. You know, I just shut the hell up. I'm not going to say anything there and let the picture and the sounds of what's happening tell the story. Whereas on radio, uh, you know, man, we're, we're cooking it 24 seven. We got the Traeger out, the brisket's overcooked, the ham's overcooked. <laughs> it's as dramatic as possible. And, you know, we're, we're, we're getting after it. So it, yeah, it's, it's vastly different. And, and in the world of broadcast, you got to be aware of that if you're switching back and forth uh, or otherwise you're going to sink pretty quick. Yeah. One thing you just said there, Roy, that I think is, is so important in our profession, all three of us, you know, do this in some form or fashion is just letting stuff breathe and, and, not just talking to talk. You know, I find myself listening to some games. I'm just like, oh my goodness. It's just, it's so much just blah and blabble that I don't even know why you're talking. And so I number one, appreciate that you also do that, but it was something that you kind of, you, you just feel it. You know, I don't know if there's an exact science, but it's just like, okay, nothing needs to be said right now because of what's happening. And I, and I love that you brought that up because I think it's really important. Yeah, there is no exact science in broadcasting. It, it's amazing. It's an amazing field. It, it's mind-numbing at times. It's maddening at times because of that. But you can have one broadcaster who literally says five words in two and a half minutes, and it's brilliant. And if you're another broadcaster and you try to emulate that, 
you sound absolutely idiotic, right? <laughs> right. And so, so I mean, that that's broadcasting 101 too, is you, you're, you're never trying to be somebody else. You have to be you. Like for me, I'm dramatic. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I do recognize those big moments and I'll lay out for them because that's, I get it. I feel it. I, I don't try to be, or, you know, try to act like somebody else. Uh, Cause the second I do that, it comes across as phony. And that's literally the worst thing that we can be as broadcasters. It's so true because we talked about this with pack last week. Like you got to be yourself, what, whatever you are. I mean, Roy, you're, you're dramatic and we freaking <laughs> love it. I'm weird and a little quirky and try to be funny. And that's me. Mac is obsessed with grilling meat and we're going <laughs> to yes. play into that. And just scream, let's go on the broadcast. Yeah. Let's Mac go. Is high energy. <laughs> it's going to knock you into a wall. So that's so true. You got to be yourself. And it's interesting because, you know, sports radio to me is such a fascinating medium. And I, I have stories for days from, from my days at the roar. Um, and especially where we did it, Roy, or I do it and you did it in a local college football obsessed market. And I know you have some stories, but that's just one of the things I love about college sports. The passion that the listeners bring is unparalleled. Do you have any stories that stand out? You know, uh, I kind of got started at the Roar doing the pregame show. And there were circumstances when it first launched where I remember we we broke into Bird Stadium at 6 a.m. in the morning to be able to get on the air for a noon start. <laughs> yeah. Game show Those 6 a.m. starts. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. It was tough. So we're up at Maryland. It, it's, you know, it's almost winter time. It's getting late in the season and Clemson, you know, is, is probably headed towards like an eight win campaign that year. We have to break into bird stadium. So I literally climb a barbed wire fence, hop over, jump down on the other side, go up to the press box. And then we get confronted by some police officers trying to get into the radio booth, the press box. And they're like, excuse me, sir, you know, who, who are you and what are you doing? And I was like, hey, you know, Roy Feldby, Scott Reimer, we're the Tiger pregame show. We're trying to get on air. And they're like, no, excuse me. I, I need to see some official identification. And we're going to run a background check oh, on no. YouTube. And I'm like, wow, okay. And so, you know, given my driver's license, sure enough, they do like this FBI check on us. And, you know, fortunately, everything comes back okay, and we're able to go on the air. But we they, they didn't find that up. one time in Florida, Roy. You're good. They didn't find <laughs> that one time. <laughs> yeah, Scott was worried about me. I, You know, maybe I was a little bit. No, we were good. Uh, but, you know, that that was kind of funny. We had some situations with the pregame show. Like, we were down in Columbia, and South Carolina fans weren't allowing us to go on the air, just standing right beside where our booth was. And, you know, we, we were able to pull that off. It wasn't that big of an issue. But, you know, the Daily Show. Yeah, I mean, there were situations where, you know, you've got a hot take on air and you know, I get a text message from a coach like, hey, you know, you're all over this or, hey, you're, you're, you're way off base on this. That would happen and it would kind of give you pause and, and uh, you know, make you check yourself a little bit. But the passion of the fans, I think, is, is it. That's the one thing that always stands out because you, you know that you could come in after a tough loss and you're going to have to play this kind of Frazier Crane role where as the psychiatrist, you're you're trying to keep everybody in line without, you know, completely losing your mind. And we, we did that a lot of times. The other thing I would say that stands out is having gone to Clemson and then, you know, cover the program from a media perspective as a writer than doing it as a radio host. When they won that championship on the redemption tour uh, after losing to Bama and Phoenix and then winning in Tampa the next year and, and then hosting a show that next day, it just, it was very rewarding for all of the pain and suffering for so many years, just from a Clemson perspective to host a show the day after winning a national championship. And I remember reading a tweet from Ben Bulware that he posted right after they lost to Bama last year. And, and then, and then revisiting that. And then I think he, he posted a new tweet after they won the title the next season. This is literally all happening in real time. I remember reading that and just getting emotional about it as, as an alum. And as somebody that just kind of, you know, went through the ups and downs of Clemson football, even, even as a media member, you just kind of become entrenched in this thing and you, you can't get it, can't get rid of it. It comes home with you and things like that. So, you know, it, that really stands out. I, I was emotional on air just reading the tweet because it was a meaningful moment and I knew how meaningful it was for all the fans listening at the time. How about that? You, you talk about, you know, having to be a psychiatrist and talk people off the ledge maybe after a loss. I'm very happy to say that the one season that I did radio for Clemson 
they were undefeated. So I never had to have that moment. And uh, it was a great year. So whether it was me, whether it was them, you know, I, I'm not sure. You but, haven't been through it, Eric McLean. Yes, no, you I haven't been through it. I was very lucky. And some close calls. There were sometimes I was looking at Quok like, this is going to be it, man. This is going to uh, be fun. Uh, but we never, we never experienced it. But transitioning a little bit, Roy, from radio to ESPN, where you've been working there almost eight years now, I want to just hear your story. Because we've heard almost everybody who has come on with us about kind of the call or the meeting or, or what was it that got you uh, to ESPN? So kind of just walk us through that moment when, you know, you, you found out you were going to be working for the worldwide leader. Yeah. I, I love telling that story because it motivates me, you know, even to this day to, to be better and, and to, you know, I pinch myself all the time just as a reminder of the great position that I have it, you know, long story short, I go back to first working for our mutual friend guys, Rick Bagby at Clemson, who, who leads the video department and is elite at what he does. And, you know, I remember talking to him probably a decade ago now, maybe 11 years ago, and just saying, hey, you know, I, I host this show. If I can help you know, on any of the video efforts and, and call in volleyball matches or whatever, you know, I'm here. And, and, and he gave me an opportunity to call volleyball match like in 2009. And that kind of really kickstarted my play-by-play career. But long story short, after doing that for a number of years and and doing some local high school football, I, I took literally one of those games and I sent them. It was actually, it was a Clemson basketball game, I think against College of Charleston, maybe in, in 2012, 2013. And I sent a link. It wasn't even a demo reel. I sent a link of that game to uh, an email address that I'd gotten for one of the senior coordinating producers at ESPN. His, his name is Chris Farrow. And I just sent it to him on a whim. And, and this is all I said. I said, hey, this is this is me. I call games. I think that I could do a lot more. And uh, so, you know, if if you like this, let me know. And that's literally all I said. It was not a long email. There was no resume or any kind of, you know, all kinds of stuff. It was just me calling a game. And um, several weeks passed and I didn't hear anything. And then uh, one day I, I looked down at my phone. I have a missed call from a 704 number, which is, you know, a Charlotte number. And, and, I, and then I checked my email and it's from, it's from Chris. And he says, hey, I just left you a voicemail. I'm like, holy mother of God. Okay, well, that, that doesn't sound like a bad thing. So, I, <laughs> so I, I pick up the phone. I call him back. And when I call him back, I hear myself in the background. He's watching my game. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, that, that's not a bad thing either. So he's like, hey, you know, yeah, um, you know, watch your demo. Not bad, not bad. And, you know, he was giving me a couple of critiques and he goes, you know, I can't meet with you right now. This is like in, in December of 2013 or something like that. And he goes, I can't meet with you right now, but, you know, maybe in April, let's try to connect or we'll do something. And uh, I said, OK, great. And he goes, you know, I don't have anything for you, but, you know, reach out back to me in April. So, OK. So like a week passes and I, I'm like on cloud nine that this guy just returned my call or just responded to an email. He sends me a rando email and he's like, hey, can you do these two games in February? And, 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 and I, I just sat there and I just looked at it and I got goosebumps and I'm getting goosebumps right now telling the story because that was the break. Like that was the break that I needed. And uh, it was two, it were two women's basketball games. I, my first ever game at ESPN was Carolina Duke, women's hoops, top 10 game. Second was NC State, Carolina, another women's game. And then from there, I did like 10 games that year, some men's and some women's. And uh, for about three years, you know, I was part-time. Sure enough, uh, about three years later, at halftime of the South Carolina Clemson football game in 2015, the same guy leaves me a voicemail. He's like, hey, this is Chris. Give me a call back. We're down at williams Price Stadium. We were just, I was just down there as a fan at that point in time. And uh, we had just left, and, and, and Deshaun Watson and Clemson, they, they, they were leading. And I get this voicemail from him, and uh, – I call him back and he's like, hey, I'm, I may need you to fill in on this Virginia Tech basketball game. And uh, by the way, uh, you didn't hear it from me, but you're going full time January 1st. Wow. And I mean, we're, we're in Columbia. I'm standing outside of a, an establishment uh, uh, down the Vista. And I get that. And I get he's telling me that. And I just raise my arms in the air. And I mean, there's, there's crocodile tears. And I'm like, holy crap. This is it. This guy wow. gave you the break and then he made you full time. Oh my God. And so it, it was, it was amazing. It was an amazing, two amazing moments in my life that I'll never forget. 
man, I love hearing these stories because it's just, it's so fun. They're, they're just so life-changing. They're kind of not really expected. I mean, what, mm-hmm. what caused you, what, what, I guess you, you've wanted it obviously, <laughs> but what caused you to send that email of, was it just, okay, I think it's time. Were you ready to move on? Or was it just total, let's see what happens. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I knew that this was, suppo- this was what I was supposed to be doing. The first time I called a volleyball match over at uh, McFadden, I like I, I stepped away from there and I was like, this is it. And there were a bunch of things that happened all at once. And, and honestly, it, it goes back to, to Dabo Sweeney's first press conference as Clemson's official head coach, December 1st, 2008. And I've told him this story and uh, and, and and shared it with him multiple times. But it was around that time where I called my my first, you know, like match game, the, the volleyball. And, and I was doing some, some high school football at the time and, and sitting there at Dabo's press conference in the West end zone, he just gets up there and he's raw. He's uncut. He's, he's emotional. Tears are flowing. His family's over there. And he's just saying, you know, dreams do come true. And he's like, you know, and, and he just went through this monologue about all the events that led him here. And I just sat there in amazement. I never heard anybody talk like that in that kind of setting. And I, I'm comparing it to just, you know, what I just went through where I liked doing what I was doing as a writer and as kind of a part-time radio host and different things, but did I love it the way that I needed to? No. What did I love doing? I love doing play-by-play. And so he just sat there, and I I swear, I felt like he was speaking to me that night, so much so that on my drive home, I pulled off on the side of the road, and I sent him a text message. And I said, Coach, I just want you to know, you know, A, I, I, you know, I think I said I'm proud of you, which is not something you really say in the media to, you know, somebody that you're covering, even in my situation at the time, we were kind of a fan friendly side in what I was doing, but B, I, I took so much inspiration. This is literally what I texted him. I took so much inspiration from what you just said. I'm literally going to apply that in my own life, literally going to do that. And I, I sent him a, 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 a reasonably sized heartfelt text along those lines. And he responded back a few hours later, like he always does, you know, Hey, I appreciate that. You know, thank you for telling me that. And from that point until 2012, there was just this buildup of this is what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. This is who I want to be. And and so I knew at some point in time when I felt like I was ready. And I tell broadcasters all the time, you know, when you send an email to a senior coordinating producer at ESPN or decision maker at Fox or CBS, you better be ready for the for the repercussions of it, whether they're good or bad. You get one chance, you know, one chance only once they look at you and they say yes. You go in this pile. Once they look at you and, and, and they say no, chances are you're not going to get a second a second crack at it. So it was just a buildup of emotions, getting ready and feeling prepared to do that. And was that was that game I sent to ESPN at the time perfect? No. But I liked how I sounded. I liked how I looked. And I was just ready to find out. I was ready to find out. And if they would have said no or never would have responded, I would have just, you know, I would be calling games here locally. I would be doing what I was doing in the past and being very happy and continuing doing that. But fortunately, they didn't. But, but Mac, it was just a, a built up and I, I couldn't contain it anymore. I, I had to find out something and I, I was ready to go at that point in time. I want to run through a wall right now, Roy That was just, God, that was awesome. And I've known you for so long, but I don't think I've heard that story fully, which is great. And then I'm over here, you know, feeling sentimental because you two have helped me so much to get to where I am. So that's just, oh man, that's awesome, Roy. That's awesome. And your passion shines through. And I just love seeing people get to do what they love. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and look, you know, helping out others and, and being there for others, especially in, in this crazy field is, is what it's all about. I mean, I've leaned on you too. You guys have leaned on me for advice or, or you know, how should I approach this? And um, I, I take just as much satisfaction in that as, as calling a big game. I, there's younger broadcasters that, you know, I, I don't want to say I've mentored, but you know, I've got a similar relationship with, and I tell them too, I'm like, man, I'm using you as much as you're using me because hearing your story motivates me mm. and, uh, and, and it's my job to pay it forward as, as often and as frequently as possible because that's what so many people have done for me. Yeah. And funny enough, Roy, you were, you were one of the first people I called, you know, when I was getting that Same. audition, when I was going up there, I'm like, Hey dude, I know you've done this. What the heck do I have to expect? And, you know, just super grateful for your mentorship, for your friendship and, you know, really just since I was a player, you know, always love coming on to your show and 
know, doing the different things with you. We haven't called a game yet together. I'm hoping no, ESPN, if you're listening, make Seriously. it happen. Because that would just be so much fun. I, I think it will eventually, but uh, yeah, that, that'll be I, a lot of fun when that day comes. I, I, I do too. I definitely think it will. And uh, I, I, I do remember when we were over at the West Zone and, and we would bring you on and, and interview you. And I think literally after every interview, I'm like, you know, at, at some point in time, you're going to be interviewing me because you're, you're, you're destined for a job like this. And we kind of laughed about it. And sure enough, that's, that's even what's happening right now. So yeah, that was, uh, th- those were fun times doing those shows. And it was obvious to everybody, uh, Tim Beret, uh, Dabo, all the coaches that, that Big Mac was going to be doing something in the media in the near term. And so it's great. It's great to see that that's happening already. No doubt. Well, thank you. All right, let's move on. We, we've had the sentimental hour. Enough, let's talk yeah, about enough some fluffy, frou-frou Kelly, talk. because all of us are super passionate about that. So let's talk about some college football. Yes. College football. All three of us love it. Okay, let's start with this, Roy. And this okay. is something I know you'd be overcooking the ham if you were still doing um, stuff on the Roy. I know you're doing stuff on SiriusXM. The recent 12-team playoff proposal, your thoughts. Yeah, we, we did a show yesterday, uh, the ACC Today, with uh, me and Nicole Auerbach. Um, first off, she's super talented, and it was great to kind of get to know her a little bit and pick her brain because she's broken a lot of doors in the 12-game playoff. But the one word that I kept coming back to in that space was inclusive. And you guys know, you know, I, I've done a lot of games with a lot of teams that have been knocking on the door for the playoff, whether they're Group or Five or Power Five. But, you know, Boise State, a UCF, um, teams that just feel like that they've gotten hot at the right time and feel like that they deserve a chance late that haven't been afforded that opportunity. And now they will. So no matter what anybody says out there, the playoff and this proposal, and it's going to pass on some level, they may alter some things in terms of who hosts and who gets buys, but the 12 team playoff is going to be happening. The question is not if it's when it'll be approved later this year in some capacity, it's going to put more seats at the table. And it's going to make the regular season more compelling because now all of a sudden you give a crap about what happens for the late night game in the Pac-12 between SC and UCLA at the end of October because it has playoff ramifications. And it could be the team that you face in the first round or in the second round, uh, you know, later on. And so I I think it makes the regular season more compelling. I think it, it creates some interesting conundrums for how we handle the conference championships. Do we get rid of one regular season game? I don't think people and administrators and networks want to do that. But when you consider you may have to play as many as 17 games to win a national championship now under this new structure, it may be something worth revisiting. I think that that's going to be happening here in the next week or so as the conference commissioners convene on Chicago and have a conversation about the proposal and what needs to be tweaked and what needs to be changed. But it's more inclusive. That is a good thing. And look, in a year maybe which Clemson gets upset for the Tiger fans that are listening right now, gets upset once or twice, and you wouldn't have a chance to go to a 14 playoff in that situation, it's going to pay dividends for you. It's going to pay dividends at some point in time when you're able to host a college football playoff game. Think about Florida coming to town in December in a survive in advance mode type of affair. Oh, man. I mean, that's. That is a fantastic notion. Michigan comes to Clemson. Clemson goes to Ann Arbor. Florida State plays Colorado, whatever it may be. Um, that is something that all of us are going to be able to get uh, be able to get behind. So, yeah, the 12-team playoff is coming. It's going to be more inclusive. It's going to provide more excitement to the regular season. It's not just going to be the four teams that we all, you know, talk about for the last two months of the year. Yeah, maybe those four teams that end up winning it. That's not what this is about but it puts more seats to the table. And guess what? You're going to see some runs and you're going to see some exciting games that would have never taken place between two teams that have no business playing each other that late in the year. And, uh, you know, you, you'll get an 85 Villanova like we saw in basketball. You'll get a George Mason going to the final four in football that, um, you know, the like Boise State or UCF. It's great for the sport. Don't let anybody else tell you anything differently. It creates more revenue, more interest, more intrigue, more seats at the table. It's more inclusive. End of story. It is a great thing for college football. I love it. Mic drop big time because I'm right there with you. And, And I think that the country has almost gotten bored of the college football playoff in its small life because it's the same teams year in and year out. And I think what you also said is super important that it might still end up being those four, but at least we start with an opportunity for parity. And that's what matters. And we get everybody involved. I think the game total is going to be something we have to address. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's safe. 
uh, to be playing 17 games for a, a college student athlete, especially if you think of guys playing five years doing this thing. That's a lot of football. Uh, so I think there's going to be ways to do that safer, but I love how inclusive it is. I love the points you brought up and the fact that, honestly, the regular season, maybe not for Alabama, maybe not for Clemson, maybe not for Ohio State, but everyone else, it's so much more important now because those teams, you know, they're used to to having to go undefeated to get in or going undefeated and getting in. But now it's okay, I can slip here. I can lose to a Pittsburgh. I can lose to a South Carolina, something of those nature, and still have a fighting chance to get in this thing. And I love it, man. I, I think, you know, when I first saw it, 12 was such a big number that I was like, man, that's a lot. But again, it's just more people involved. And I think if if we can take away some of these FCS games, and I know what that'll do to other schools and other athletic departments, I get it. But this is a business. I'm not, you know, looking at charity. I'm looking at a business model. Uh, I think it's really going to work and I cannot wait. Yeah. And, and you're all over it. And there's ways around that. You could bring in a firm into Death Valley and, and scrimmage them in, in April if you want That's to right. for a spring That's game. Right. And, and it could be in a controlled fashion. So I, I've just sat down with so many coaches over the years that, uh, you know, Boise State and UCF come to mind when Scott Frost was at uh, at UCF and that McKenzie Milton team, I think, in 2017, 2018. They could have competed with with the big boys in college football, the, the powers in college football. I don't know if they would have beaten Bama or Clemson that specific year, but could they have beaten any other team in the country? Yes. Could they have competed, you know, with a Bama or Clemson? I, I think it would have been interesting just to see how those games would have would have played out. Brian Harson at Boise State and Chris Peterson at Boise State, some of those teams, they proved a decade ago that they were more than capable of playing with college football's elite. Now they'll get a chance to prove it. It may come on the road, but those teams deserve a chance. They deserve a chance. And I think with this new move, we're going to move away from group of five in that vernacular, and we're going to start talking about everybody having a chance. And I think it helps those schools. It's going to create more revenue for everyone. And uh, I think the big winners are the college football fans out there. It may not, Dabo Sweeney may not like it. It may not make his job any easier, <laughs> but uh, you know what? There'll be times where it does, where maybe they slip up a time or two and still get invited to the dance. There, there's no question. And love your thoughts on that. So we're going from one big kind of hot take topic to another. This is more sp- specific to ACC and, you know, fans of this conference, but talk to me about Notre Dame. And you've talked with uh, the power hour and you've heard her thoughts. And I'm sure you guys talked about, uh, Notre Dame joining a conference. Do you think they should, and do you think they will sometime in the near future? I'm, I'm going to say the near future being three to five years. Yeah, no and no. And I say that not from an ACC perspective. Like from the Atlantic Coast Conference's perspective, yeah, you want Notre Dame. You, you, you need Notre Dame. From Notre Dame's perspective with the new 12-team format, uh, I, I think it pushes that possibility further away. So yeah, I mean, the, the Clemson side of me would love to see Notre Dame in the league full-time football member. The ACC side of me would tell you the exact same thing. I, I just don't think with a 12-team playoff that that's in the cards. And I, you know, I, I don't know what dots you connect to make it happen, but basically um, the way I've read it, you know, no, Notre Dame will, will get the uh, chance to, to be able to host a game in that first round. They're not going to, you know, have the, the, be one of the teams that able to secure a buy and so uh, I, I think that that's just fine with with their ad uh swarbick and they've he's kind of been one of the guys to sat down with all the league commissioners throughout all this and it feels like notre dame has conceded some things to make sure that they have a seat at the table and uh that they're also protecting their um uh, interests as an independent i think everybody associated with notre dame you guys know this would tell you that their goal is to not be a, a an acc football member because they value that independence they value the schedule flexibility uh, in their mind, still to this day, probably there's still more money involved in independence. I think that's becoming debatable, and maybe it becomes more debatable in the next couple of years. But I have no evidence suggesting that uh, it's a worthy debate at this point. So um, as much as I would like to see it, I, I don't think it's happening. And I don't know what that means long term. The only way that changes is, is if the leverage changes, where the playoff forces the hand of the Fighting Irish or the revenue differential is so great that it's just mm-hmm. a no-brainer right. that we got to make this happen. I don't think either one of those are in the ACC's favor or the ACC's fans' favor at this point in time to get Notre Dame full-time in. Because they were in, it'd be great. We saw it last year. It would be great. You got two teams from the conference in the playoff. Uh, the possibilities are endless. But, man, I just 
I don't think it's happening. And I don't like telling you guys that, but I, I don't see it. <laughs> T- tell me I'm wrong. I mean, tell me I'm wrong. I think from their perspective, I think you, you did a great job of putting on your golden domer hat right there and, yep. and laying all out there. That's what uh, our good friend Jordan Cornette tells us all the time. And they love yeah. that that heated rivalry between the vaunted Stanford and the vaunted USC. They love that. <laughs> they love that rivalry. They got to play Stanford. I mean, okay. Now, Roy, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think it'd be great for the ACC for a variety of reasons, but especially with this new playoff format. They yeah. don't. They don't really need so us there, necessarily. There's got to be a seismic shift. So mm-hmm. let's say when when the commissioners get together in Chicago this week, I think they're meeting Thursday or Friday, and, and Swarbrick is there, and the presidents are there. There has to be some rule written out in the twelve team field that you know, in, in order for this, you have to be a, a conference champion, or, or just you know something along those lines that forces the hand of Notre Dame or. The ACC network and ESPN you know, renegotiate a deal where, okay, with Notre Dame in, we get this amount of money. Uh, and maybe that that coincides with when their deal with NBC is up. Mm-hmm. So I, there, there's all of those, a lot of moving parts there that all would have to be in unison for the first time ever in order for it to happen. Uh, could that occur? Maybe. When's the soonest it could occur? Maybe 2026 when all, all those deals are kind of yeah. up and you got a chance to renegotiate but i'm not smart enough to say that's really <laughs> and, and i do know for those listening that maybe are, are in tune with this as well there is language within the acc networks deal and the acc's deal that if notre dame comes in that deal has to yeah. be restructured so that that's in there is it enough to to say oh man we've, we've got to do this maybe not yet but like you said roy when that nbc deal comes up it will be very interesting to see what all happens yeah, and and you know, nine million people watching Clemson Notre Dame last year in that regular season game in South Bend in a pandemic probably you know helps things is it to try to entice a, a renegotiated deal Notre Dame into the league, um, but it's, you know there, there's just not enough evidence out there to suggest this thing is is close to happening right now. The 12 team playoff, the way I've read it, makes it seem like it's further away than it was just a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I hate to break up this party because we could talk forever. Yes. I do have to get somewhere relatively soon. <laughs> um, so I'm not saying we got to end this thing now, but uh, decently soon. Let's talk, just speaking from an ACC perspective, Roy, we've had a lot of, and what I would call more ACC guys. I know you are an ACC guy. Some would say you're an SEC guy, considering all the games you call on <laughs> SEC Network. Um, yes. But you're a little more outside the bubble. So in Roy Philpott's perspective, you look at the QBs returning in the ACC this year, what do you think the ACC can be this season in football? The perception, which is what I care about, right or wrong, that, that's what that's the world we're operating in, in social media land in, in 2021. The perception of the conference this year, to me, resides in Chapel Hill. And what I mean by that is this. Clemson is a known commodity. People that follow the sport know that DJ Uyangalale is going to be elite and that Clemson's offense is going to morph and change, but they're going to be just fine post Trevor Lawrence and the defensive identity, I think starts to take over this year. You Clemson is known shove all that to the side. They're going to be in the playoff picture. They're going to win at least 10 games. If they beat Georgia, they're probably running the table and back in the college football playoff. And it's as simple as that. That is known. The rest of the free world wants to see who else is left in the ACC that can create some noise. Last year was Notre Dame and kind of Carolina this year. It has to be North Carolina. And the good news is known commodity background. Known commodity offensive identity. Known commodity Sam Howe. I know that they lost running backs and Yami Brown and they've lost some weapons, but the scheme is there. And, and they really are fantastic at what they like to do offensively. And I liken it to what the Rams did in 2000 winning the Super Bowl, the greatest show on turf. And uh, they actually told me last year, we called the Carolina Duke game, that those were some principles they incorporated into their offense because their offensive play caller is uh, good friends with Kurt Warner. And they had 27 separate conversations last offseason about what they used to do in St. Louis when they won the Super Bowl. And you can see that with Sam Howe. Carolina's got to be elite. Carolina has to be top 10. And if that happens, I think the brand of the league becomes what so many have wanted it to be for such a long period of time. Miami is improving. Their brand is being enhanced. Manny Diaz, I think, is doing a really nice job just getting past those weird games where you're wondering what is happening at the U. There's a little bit of that last year, but you go back and watch the bowl game and you take the overall body of work. 
they were much more consistent. So Miami's knocking on the door. Mike Norvell, I think, is turning the aircraft carrier around in Tallahassee. It's still going to take a little bit of time there. Dave Doran's quietly done a really nice job at NC State. There's something cooking there. But uh, Carolina, if they can become a top 10 team, like I think that they can. I know what I'm getting with Mac. I know what I'm getting with Sam. I know about that offense. Their defense has playmakers. That's, that, to me, is the key. That, that's going to be the key for the ACC this fall is if Carolina can, can make a run at this thing and, and can you get Carolina Clemson in Charlotte in the ACC championship game? Because that, that, that game would have the same type of feel I think that Notre Dame Clemson did last year. I don't think there's any question. I think you're exactly right, Roy. Last question, and we're going to let you leave. Give me one sleeper team in the ACC that you think can make some noise, that you think can beat some people and, and have some folks scratching their head on either side. And maybe you just referenced them. You said some great teams there, but just give me one. And we'll let you get out of here. Yeah, I've had Miami, and I, I I feel like I know Manny and what he's trying to do. I see the determination and the fortitude and the strength in his eyes. You know, they they still have something to prove to me, and I think you know more importantly to everybody else. And so my, Miami is close. I gave you the spiel on Carolina. I, you know, Boston College, offensive line, quarterback play. Uh, you know, there, there, there's enough there that reminds me of what it was, you know, 12, 13 years ago, post Matt Ryan, where, man, there's just there's just a lot to deal with with what they bring to the table and the way that they play an old school brand of football. I, I would say B.C., Mac, would be that team, in my opinion, that, that could sneak up on some people. And when I say sneak, you know, I mean, win seven or eight games, you know, maybe nine or maybe really take that next step. A big fan of, of Coach Halfley and the job that he's done. So. Yeah, I, I think Boston College would be my sleeper team. And, you know, if they're able to sneak into the top 20 this year, that would be another feather in the cap of the ACC. I, I could see that happening, surprisingly. I could see it happen. That was the correct answer. Congratulations. <laughs> we are big Boston College fans on this podcast. The <laughs> illustrious Roy Philpot. Roy, you were awesome. Uh, this was so great. This may have been my favorite episode so far, Mac, honestly. We've had some Thank great you. people, but this was great. Big shoes to fill, but Roy knocked it out of the park. You're the best. Hey, I, 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 yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate the invitation, and I appreciate you guys thinking enough of me to, uh, to, to have me on. So uh, thank you. That interview was awesome, Mac. And I hate to say it's my favorite. Because it's like picking your children, you know. At this point, Mac, <laughs> you and hold I, on, this is going. Are you just comparing all of our Traeger or our Traeger guests as your children? Are you claiming yes. all of them? And here's the more wow. concerning part: Mama Gramlick is just all over it. Apparently, you and I have seventy six children because <laughs> <laughs> we have seventy six episodes. I mean, I would say we split them. Half of them are you and khakis. Half of them are That's fair. That's much more manageable on the human body, both probably ending. That's a lot, Mac. That's a lot of cauliflower you got to cook for these kids. That's a lot of cauliflower right there. That's right. But seriously, I really enjoyed that interview. Roy Philpott is, he's just one of the best in, in the business. And outside of Clemson, you've probably seen him on ESPN and you may have not known that you had. But next time you see him on ESPN, whatever game he's doing, you need to stop, you need to unmute that TV if it's muted, and you need to listen because he does a great job. He is one of the best, Kelly, and really helped both of us immensely throughout our careers. Mine a little bit more indirect, um, you know, not having worked with each other as much on, on a radio station or being together. But, I mean, a guy who I feel really molded me in my career early, and again, we mentioned it in the interview, one of the first people that I called and said, you know, hey, what should I expect? What can I do? Mm -hmm. Because I knew that he just went through all that and, and knew he'd be a great resource and, you know, really helped me out. And, and to this day, uh, very, you know, just blessed to, to be able to know him. And like you said, this was one of my favorite interviews as well. He uh, He's a great guy. So uh, ex excited for the day that we get to call a game together. Uh, that'll be a, a really, really fun, you know, kind of two tigers in the box. So if it's a Clemson game, look out. It, it's going to be oh, man. just a total homer cast. So they probably wouldn't do that. But Kelly, <laughs> it is now time to get to this or that. You guys know what time it is. It's one of our favorite segments that we have kind of created on this. Y'all do such a fun job of just going back and forth and debating as we do uh, when we post this on social media. So look out for it later this week. Uh, we will be posting those on Twitter and Instagram. 
And we should say, make sure you follow on Instagram. That's right. Come on. Mine's, I'm pretty sure I'm at Kelly Gramlich on both. I think that's right. What What are you, Mac? At Eric McLean? I, I am Eric McLean on both. So we are very original, creative people, Kelly, I gotta say. Well, thankfully, neither of us is a, no offense to these people, a Jones or a Smith. So there's a lot of them. Our names there's probably weren't taken. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> the first this or that. And I like this question because this is a personal experience question for Mac. He's experienced both of these things. I'm going to preface this by saying I did not include Death Valley because Mac never played there as an opponent. And I did not include Lane Stadium where Virginia Tech plays because Mac never played there because the ACC is silly and we have divisions. So tougher place to play in the ACC for you, Emac. Is it Carter-Finley Stadium, NC State, or Doak Campbell, where Florida State plays? What's the most difficult place to play, Mac? This is tough because uh, I'll tell you why. Number one, I think the answer depends on when it is. You know, I I think Clemson, I think uh, Ohio State, Alabama, probably a lot of SEC schools, to be honest, which I hate to say. Uh, They're consistent, like loud and excited and jacked up. Some of these schools that I played at, you know, it depends on when it is. It depends on the temperature. It depends on the day. I got to tell you, playing at night at Carter-Finley Stadium, NC State, is one of the most difficult places we have ever been. I've been to Georgia. I've been to Auburn. I've been at neutral sites against all these teams. It is a tough place to play. I believe they serve alcohol in the stadium, which just take it to another level and kelly can speak from experience and visiting this great place. yeah sorry that was a very firm they do but they do <laughs> and it, it's tough i mean their fans are nuts they're very passionate uh that they, they are there to try to distract you try to cheer for their team and make it very difficult for you to win a football game so i always say and, and people are somehow taken aback by this when i tell them the hardest place that i played was carter finley but the wolf pack i'm telling you they absolutely bring it. So I'm going to flip this question to you, and it's more—it's not this or that. It's more open-ended. What was the toughest place that you played basketball? Oh, that's a great question. The first one that comes to mind for me was Notre Dame. Notre Dame was incredible. Did you play now, at Louisville? Let me ask that. Did so, you play? no, Louisville joined. So they weren't in yet. The next year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I only got to play at Notre Dame once. We were actually their first ever ACC game, and – I think I've t- I may have told this on the pod, but it was a blizzard because it's Notre Dame. <laughs> it was January. It was a state of emergency. The roads were closed, and they had eight thousand people at the game. It was it was crazy, and they were so loud. I I was very very <laughs> impressed. I was very impressed playing at Notre Dame. Um, I never got to play at Louisville. I really wish that I had played at Louisville. The other one that's obvious: South Carolina. South Carolina mm-hmm. was difficult. <laughs> For a variety yeah. of reasons. A, they're very, very, very good. B, they pack it out. And they have that, the Gamecock fans know this better, they have that homeless-looking guy, that, like, the the South Carolina Jesus-looking guy who sits in the front, throws the towel up, is always screaming at you. <laughs> so <laughs> I would say those two, definitely. Did, did anyone ever heckle you? Like at any place that you played, like, did they just keep going after you the whole game? Specifically, well, I got it in high school a lot. I'll say that. But um, high school was different because I had the ball a lot more than I did in college. (laughs) But um, Virginia Tech, this was such a weird situation. Virginia Tech, which is the sleepiest little gym. I mean, and back then, they're, they're better now, but back then they weren't very good and they didn't have a lot of people there. And this one guy, though, and it was kind of creepy, Mac, like a little creepy, but he knew my name. He knew where I was from. He was just like calling out stuff. I think you may have known. He was calling out perhaps family member names. Like it was weird. Wow. He did and some I mean, research. you're in an empty gym and you're only yelling <laughs> at me like this is odd. So I was very glad to get on that bus and leave. It was just really weird. <laughs> that that is that is it rather was odd. strange. That is rather strange. All right, yeah, my turn for this or that. Um, I've got to know, Kelly. Are you on the pro side of divisions? That'll be this. Or do you want to scrap divisions? That'll be that for ACC play. Have the best two in the championship. I'm trying to make it one sided here, <laughs> but some people like the traditional power. They like the the two divisions. What say you? This or that? 
Here's the thing. The divisions aren't even really that traditional. They've only been around for 15, 16, 17 years whenever they tried to put Miami and Florida State on different divisions because they thought they'd play in the ACC championship, and they never have. So it just shows, right? We try to make our own plans. God laughs. In this situation, he was like, Miami's not going to be any good. So sorry about that. But (laughs) they're coming back. They're coming back. I don't, I am such a that person. I do not want divisions. And I was actually talking about this on the radio today. I'm not even above, you know, right now in divisions in the SEC and the ACC, you have these specific crossover games. So you don't get Clemson, North Carolina every year. You don't get Bama, Georgia every year, for example. I am not above making sure we have those games every year. Like, I don't need some sort of rhyme or reason. Just make the best schedule. And you know if you're making the schedule in March or April, you have an idea of who's going to be good. So can we please have Clemson and North Carolina play? I'm not above that at all. So I am anti-divisions, Mac. What about you? I 100% are on your team here. I I think it's silly. I I think that what we saw last year in COVID was such a – or what should have been such an aha moment in the fact that let's have our true two best teams play in the championship. I don't understand why it – would even think about being any other way because you saw what it can do. And especially in this format, which is about to get rocked like crazy, but you get your two best teams in a playoff potentially. Mm -hmm. And so, and honestly, what it might do is even help solidify that even more because if you have an upset in that game where still you have a highly ranked team, but maybe they're not top five, you're still going to get two people in to the playoff situation. So I think it's coming, you know, and and I say that kind of just on whispers that I've heard and talking to some people who talk to some people who talk (laughs) to some people. So this isn't anything official at all, but I I think it just makes total sense. I I would love to see it across all conferences. I would love to see, you know, just more of a uniform look to schedules, which again, Wes Durham talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So I think it's coming. I think with this new playoff format, it's going to kind of force hands to do so. And, uh, you know, I just think it makes sense. So I don't think there's any question. Let's get rid of the division. Get them All right, out guys. Of here. That's right. It's time for the top secret question. Again, Kelly knows a lot of stuff with this podcast. This isn't one of them. Uh, I, I love just creating these and trying to think of, okay, how can I really get her, you know, going one way or the other? Of course, you guys remember the run it in to score a touchdown or throw it on the goal line fade. She was adamant about one run way. Run the ball, But you guys Mac. were with me. Y'all were with me. And you run the ball, it. coach. <laughs> so this week, you know, Father's Day again. We talked about it on the front end of the episode. It's coming up. If you were going to grill, and Kelly, let's just assume that you're a grill master, which I know you are. <laughs> if you were going to impress your father and your in-law uh, coming in, your father-in-law coming in, are you cooking and grilling, excuse me, steak? Or some type of chicken. Which one are you leaning here to just really just knock them out? And it can be chicken oh. wings, it can be chick- barbecue chicken, steak, fillet, whatever you want to do. Where are you leaning with this? And you got to tell me specifically what it's going to be. Okay, I so this is this is a good question, Mac. Okay, so it's actually different for my father and my father-in-law. My dad it would be steak. I think steak would would be the move for him. <laughs> Now, my father-in-law is a big, what's the word I'm looking for? Seafood. He's a big seafood guy. Okay. He's a man of the ocean. He's a man of the coast. I'm serious. He he's is. hanging out with Poseidon right now, just chilling. Oh, yeah. Like, that's <laughs> totally his thing. So I would almost go off the beaten path here and say, if I really want to impress Joe, I mean, lobster tail. Come on, Like, Kelly. that's what Joe's about. So mm. I'm going to go seafood there. Well, you know, if you got them both a Traeger, if you had a Traeger, you could do that for Father's Day. The funny Day. part is that I'm naming all these things, and I have no earthly idea how to do anything. Hey, let me just tell you something. As we alluded to with uh, our, our guy, Roy Philpot, I'm going to do a cooking class. I might even do like I a Facebook wait. or Instagram live type thing, and we can go through it. And lobster tail can be one of them. Steak can be one of them, because uh, you can do it all on that bad boy, as I've mentioned time and time mm-hmm. again. I think I'm going with steak just because it's, I don't know, typical American dad, America. Uh, And and I think of those type of things. But, you know, you can't go wrong with a ribeye. That's what I'm doing this weekend. Cannot wait. It's going to be a big time. So no love for chicken. (laughs) 
I do like chicken, but I just Poor think chicken. this, you know, chicken can be kind of a Monday through Friday meal. Yeah. Steak deserves a holiday or a big event or weekend. You know, it's a, it's a big deal when you're having steak. Or for you, a Tuesday. You know, just a normal Tuesday, whatever you want. <laughs> Great question, Matt. <laughs> Well, guys, once again, this episode produced by our friend, and honestly, we count him as a family member, Richmond Weaver, the great stuff that he does for this podcast. Go check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports. You can find that anywhere that you get your podcasts or listen to your podcast. He does a great job there and has some really fun guests. I know we tell you time and time again, but literally any part of life you can think about, whether it's sport, whether it's not sport, Rich probably has a guest where they break all of that down. It's been a fun episode, guys. Thank you so much to Roy Philpot for joining us, and thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Gramlick and Mac Lane, brought to you by our friends over at Traeger Grills. We always appreciate you guys for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, write us a review. It's always fun hearing from you guys. But until next time, we'll see y'all.